Well, good morning, my friends. We are on podcast number 318. Uh, this is for Tuesday, June 29th. Um, and we're in Mark chapter 9. This is a uh, an amazing portion of scripture in Mark chapter 9. Uh, after the confession and after the confusion, Jesus really, really brings this um, um, to bear into who he was with what's called the transfiguration. And we're going to look at that and uh, look at a few verses here in uh, Mark chapter 9. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste dust until they sing them, see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now people have looked at this and say, See, 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 the Bible tells a lie. The Bible is contradictory because all of these people died. That's because they're misinterpreting what he meant here in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 8. Turn to, or excuse me, Mark chapter 9 uh, uh, and verses 1 through 8 here. Uh, there's something much deeper ha- happening here, and you and I need to be able to explain this to people. When it says that, uh, uh, true, many of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God come. Now go back to Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Let's do 14 and 15, in fact. Mark chapter 1. Now, after Jesus was arrested, Jesus came, or excuse me, John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming, now listen carefully, the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled, not being fulfilled, not will be fulfilled, but is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is at hand. Now consider that verse and let's go back to this other verse in Mark chapter 9 verse 1. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. It doesn't contradict itself. Jesus wasn't saying that, hey, I'm going to come back with uh, uh, and, and set up my kingdom before you die. No, he says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the kingdom of God has come. Do we, do we get that? Do we understand this? This isn't a contradiction because these, these disciples all would die except John. Um, uh, they would all die and be martyred. Uh, John uh, would die a natural death. Judas would hang himself um, out of remorse, not out of repentance, but out of remorse, big difference. And and Jesus says here, um, some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God come in power. And the kingdom of God had come in power. Let's go on. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now, in Luke chapter 9, 28, um, Luke says it was about eight days. Well, Luke was counting the day that this was ha- happening and um, the the day afterwards. Uh, uh, Mark is just counting the six days in between. Again, don't get caught up on these little minor details that, that seem to throw people because they're looking for uh, reasons to be upset and and to to tear down the gospel. Um, he took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as, as no one on earth could bleach them. Here is this powerful picture. And Jesus is going to bring home to them once and for all who he is 
and and he's going to do it in a magnificent way. I love, though, in Luke, let's go to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 and verse 32. This is Luke's account of, of what happened in, Mar, in Mark's account. And Luke says in verse 33, now Peter and those who were with him were, were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. So he takes him up on the mount to this powerful thing, and he's going to give this powerful illustration of who he is, and they're tired. Doesn't that remind you of Gethsemane? And when Jesus, um, uh, weakest point, if you will, where he's he's just, the, the heat is being turned up, and three times he prays that prayer. Um, Father, if it's possible, take this cup. Um, back uh, from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Why does he say it three times? I heard uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel say, because the olive press, which is which is the meaning of the Garden of Gethsemane, the olives were pressed three times, three times to bring out uh, the best in them. So the pressure was intense and it was great. His clothes became radiant white as no one on, on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses. Now remember, and we won't look this up, but in Second Kings chapter two, verse eleven, Elijah didn't die; he was taken up in a whirlwind, and uh, but Moses died. Elijah representing the prophets in this, um, all of the prophets, and Moses representing the law. So Jesus is up there representing the Bible says grace and truth, right? The law came through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We hear that in John, um, but Elijah representing the prophets and Moses representing the law, and they were talking talking with Jesus, just having a nice conversation. Can you just see this? This is just so beautiful and so uh, magnificent. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi, which is teacher. It is a sign of respect. But but you got to see him as more than rabbi at this point. Elijah, Moses, and Jesus are there. It is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter doesn't even realize that, again, he's becoming earthly. And he's talking about setting up a kingdom here. And he's about setting up these three tents. And it all sounds good, but the reality is he's placing Moses and Elijah and Jesus on the same level. And you can't do that. He can't do that. For he did not know what he saved, for they were terrified. I would have been too, you would have been too. And in the midst of what he's saying, look, God interrupts. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of heaven. This is my beloved son. Multiple times, remember back in Matthew chapter 3, at Jesus' baptism, the heavens opened and Jesus spoke. Jesus, or God spoke at, at Jesus' baptism. And it said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Remember all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses talked about a prophet that would come through the people and you need to listen to him. And here, uh, someone greater than Moses obviously opens up the heavens and for the second time here speaks and said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. You know, this is uh, the second time that a member of the Godhead, <laughs> Godhead has, uh, has interrupted one of Peter's sayings. We see it here and we see it in Acts chapter 10 where he's speaking and he's waxing eloquent to to Cornelius and, and, his, and his household, to the Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit says enough and just interrupts. And here God says enough because they didn't understand what was going on. He said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus 
only. But Jesus only. But look what they saw. Look at the glory that they were able to see. Look at the experience that they were having. And imagine they wanted to run down off the mountain and tell everybody, man, you can't even, you can't even imagine what we just saw. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen. Wow, kill joy. We've just seen this amazing experience and we want to tell everybody about it. And Jesus says, no, but Jesus doesn't say you can never tell. Listen to what he says. And they should have caught this until the son of man has risen from the dead. He calls himself the son of man again, Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. He is the Messiah and he's the Messiah who will rise from the dead. Look at verse 10. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Jesus had told them just a, a few uh, moments earlier, maybe a day earlier, two days earlier, that he would rise, he would be, he would suffer and he would die and he would be buried and he would rise from the dead. So all of this is turning and, the, and the, all of the focus now is turning on not Jesus' life, but Jesus' death. Not what Jesus did, but what Jesus would do. Not what Jesus said, but what would happen because of what Jesus said. This is just an amazing portion of scripture. But again, the kingdom of heaven had come. The kingdom of God had come. Now, will there be an earthly, uh, a kingdom um, uh, later? Yes, when Jesus returns. At the second coming, not at the rapture, but at the second coming, when Jesus returns, the kingdom of God will be finally established. There will be one day a kingdom of God on, on, on the new earth, and it will be finally established. But, the, but, but, but heaven had come to earth. Look to John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, uh, and the word was God. Now turn down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Heaven comes to earth. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. If he's from the, from the father, that means he came from someone else. He emptied uh, heaven and he came to earth. Heaven's greatest gift, heaven's greatest treasure, Jesus Christ has come and he is now on this earth, on this earth. And it said, we have beheld his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. We need to understand that the scripture does not contradict itself. We just have to dig deeper to find the answers. Turn back to second Peter, second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, beginning with verse 12. It says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. When did he make it clear to him? That one day he would pass. He would be a martyr. He would give his life. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you'll be able to at any time to recall these things. How? By putting them down on paper. 
by reminding you constantly of what Jesus did. Verse 16, for we uh, we did not know, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were witnesses, eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he um, and and why I'm going to I'm going to stop here. Eyewitnesses of His Majesty. When do you think part of that was? I believe it was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe He's hearkening back now in His memory to the things that He experienced. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born uh, to Him by the from uh, uh, excuse me. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When do you think that was? That was at the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's recounting this. He's reminding them that we just didn't hear about this. We were eyewitnesses. And Peter can say that because he was one of the three that were there. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We're telling you what we witnessed and what we experienced. I don't want there to be any doubt, he says. I'm going to constantly remind you. I'm going to tell you that this Jesus, who we were with, was honored from heaven and the majesty of heaven by the voice of God saying, this is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. And Peter, at the end of his life, towards the end of his life, knowing full well that he would die because Jesus had made it clear to him that he would give his life He's saying, I got to remind you, I got to use every breath I have, the final breath I have to remind you of this Jesus. This Jesus who came to sacrifice his life. This Jesus who came to give everything. There were still people confused. Why in the world would Jesus have to die? Why, why, why? And people people say to this day, uh, attacking the resurrection, saying, no, no, Jesus was a good man and Jesus was a prophet. Jesus didn't have to die. And they, they took his life from him. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus. Jesus surprises a couple of his disciples. Luke chapter 24. And verses 25 through 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Uh, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, all things concerning himself. Was it necessary for Jesus to die? Absolutely. And he made it very clear to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus. They were walking away from Jerusalem. And once they spent time with Jesus and heard this, they turned around and they went back and they they spoke what Jesus spoke to them. And they spoke with enthusiasm and excitement. Why? Because they'd seen the resurrected Savior. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, 
And at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. This is that same Jesus. This is that Jesus that we talk about. This is the same Jesus Jesus that you and I serve today. And what should be our response to this? What should be our response to this? Look at Romans chapter 12. Paul tells us what our response should be. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What should be our response to all this, what we're reading and what you're hearing today? What we read in the scripture and what we hear pastors speak about, what you hear on this podcast, what should be our response to this Jesus? It should be to to present ourselves to God holy and living sacrifices. Find out what the perfect and good will of God is for our life. To submit to it with the measure of faith that God has given you. Oh, church, I can't, I can't, I can't be um, more excited about this gospel. I can't be more excited about the time in which we live in. Do I read the news and do I look at things and look at how bad it is? Yes. And do I get discouraged at time? Yes. Until I get into the word of God and realize that my God is in perfect control, that he sets up kings and brings kings down, that he has, he is not bound by time, but he's perfect in his timing. And he, he has everything under his control and he's bringing about his will. But what is your part and my part? The only way we can find that out is to present ourselves to God, living sacrifices. We can stay in the word of God and we can pray and we can trust God that we are not to be discouraged and not to be depressed. But when these things come about, we need to look up for our redemption draws near. Look up. Keep your eyes focused on him. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.